Sky Guess has served as state court solicitor general for Baldwin County since 2018, a graduate of the University of Georgia and Mercer University's Walter F. George School of Law, Guest served as an assistant district attorney prior to her appointment to the solicitor general post. Sky Guess, thank you for joining me today on WRGC 88.3 FM. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. And so to start off our questions uh, for the interview, uh, just in your own words, can you explain the role of the state court solicitor general in our community? You know, that's a question I get a lot, um, especially as I've gone around the county, is what does a solicitor general do? Uh, and simply put, a solicitor general is a prosecutor. So very much like the district attorney who prosecutes felony cases, I am the person who prosecutes misdemeanor crimes for Baldwin County. So if someone is charged uh, with a DUI, um, domestic violence cases, so your simple assault, simple battery, uh, many of your traffic offenses that happen in the county will also come through state court. So I typically handle all of those um, particular cases. Um, and so that's what a solicitor general does in a nutshell. And can you describe the prosecutorial philosophy you'll advance as Solicitor General? I don't have a particular philosophy. Um, I, you know, starting as an assistant district attorney in 2013 here in Baldwin County, I learned a lot from both Fred Bright and Steve Bradley. And one of the things I remember um, some of my evening conversations with Fred Bright and what he always instilled in me is you do the right thing no matter what. And that has always been a guiding principle um, as a prosecutor and as a person is that no matter what, you always do the right thing. And when I look at cases and I'm sitting and talking to individuals, um, certainly serving the victims in the cases, making sure their voices are heard, but also taking the opportunity as a prosecutor for those who have been charged with offenses. If they make the decision that they want to talk to me because a defendant has the right to remain silent, but sometimes people want to tell me their side of the story, is listening to them and taking into account, maybe I didn't know something about them. Maybe they made a mistake um, because I don't see everything as cut and dry or um, black and white. And you look at sometimes the human element. Um, and so I would say probably one of, one of my guiding principles is always do the right thing. Um, and, and that's something I'm going to continue to do. Um, and I, I think that's um, one of the core principles um, that has helped me along my journey as um, a prosecutor. And what will be your focus as Solicitor General? Um, certainly upholding the law, uh, making sure that everyone is treated fairly um, and equally under the law. One of the things that um, I've really worked on as the Solicitor General is making sure that we are constantly having conversations about domestic violence as well. That's a large portion of my caseload. We do um, 
I have a lot of, of those cases, and it's also the opportunity where I want to kind of expand and develop what we've been working on. So um, we started, when I started in 2018, I really wanted to have a presence in the school system so that we can talk to our young men and women and talk to them about healthy relationships um, and how to have those healthy relationships because what we've seen and what I have seen is that um, a lot of our crime um, domestic related when we get into the history of what's been going on in a relationship we find out that the uh, abuse is happening early and earlier so we've even um, had relationships that are forming in middle school uh, early in high school where um, we see a lot of possessiveness among our kids um, in relationships the constant let me see your phone going through it so I really wanted to get into the school systems and make sure we're having those conversations with um, our young men and women to talk about some of the dangers and the warning signs of domestic violence because uh, far too often we can see cases escalate um, and certainly tragedies occur. So uh, I'm a big proponent of education and awareness. Um, Plus, it's also good just so I want people to know they can approach me, that they can talk to me, that I'm here to listen, because I believe it's important to listen to our community. Um, I take a lot uh, of stock in what I'm being told, because I believe that's the opportunity for me to help address an issue or a concern. Um, so I want to continue to grow and expand our program uh, for our Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month um, and also, we want to continue to expand our domestic violence awareness programs. Um, we're continuing uh, with In Our Best Interest, which is our women's group for domestic violence. Um, so that has been a program that has been in existence over 20 years, and it's something that um, we're going to continue to use um, and continue to make sure that's an important service and resource for everybody in our community. Um, one of the other things that I'm continuing to work on and develop and grow um, are our pretrial diversion programs. So for people who are first-time offenders, um, youthful offenders, who sometimes make very poor decisions and end up um, charged with a crime, we look at whether or not they qualify for a pretrial diversion program. Um, so that way that if they successfully completed that program, they would not have a criminal conviction. Um, and utilizing different partnerships um, through different classes that are offered, um, maybe bringing some additional classes and materials and resources to our community. Um, but those are some of the things that I'm looking forward to expanding in the coming years. While in office, Governor Nathan Deal advocated for and signed into law a series of criminal justice reforms. What is your opinion of the changes Governor Deal put into place? Um, so Governor Deal did do a lot of reform for our criminal justice system um, and have seen some uh, positive things come out of that. Um, and so I think it's important that we're having those conversations, that we're talking about how do we get people back into the community to be productive. Um, and certainly looking at, again, the pretrial diversion programs that we have, um, First Offender Act, 
Um, one of the things that, that we also can utilize through state court is a lot of times we look at what's called a dead docket, getting people to um, taking their case and essentially sometimes putting it on hold because we need to get them to a treatment facility, to a mental health facility to help them as a person. Um, so I think that was an important conversation that um, Governor Jill started and then certainly things locally that we've been able to do um, as a prosecutor. Because I think at the end of the day, well, yes, um, I'm very tough on repeat offenders um, and making sure that my victims are protected. We have to also look at sometimes the getting people help. Um, and I think that's uh, an important conversation to continually have with um, members of our community as well. And my next question uh, follows up on what you were just saying. Uh, do you feel that there are enough resources available to prosecutors to help people with addictions and or mental health issues? And can you explain your answer? That's a tough question. Um, we definitely have some excellent resources um, that we utilize for substance abuse. Um, I do believe that we need more resources for people who are suffering from mental health illnesses. Um, certainly, we've experienced here in Baldwin County the loss of Central State Hospital. Um, we do have two providers, River's Edge and the Oconee Center, um, who are excellent resources um, for people where we need to send them for substance abuse or mental health. One of the programs that I um, utilize regularly is also our ATCC, the Adult Treatment Collaborative Court. That um, is something that was started. Um, Judge George um, was one of the first judges um, to, to bring that system here. And then, of course, we have Judge Petty, Judge Trammell, uh, and Judge Burleson, who are the three main judges who handle our um, ATCC court. And so they have the drug court and the mental health component. Um, so a lot of times we look at whether or not uh, somebody would benefit from that program. And, and that's been an excellent resource to state court to be able to partner with them and say, I have somebody who I think that court system would benefit, that um, it's a 24-month um, court process, but and then they have aftercare after that. So making sure that they can have stabilization after completing the program, making sure they're receiving um, aftercare treatment. However, I think we can never have enough resources because I think sometimes we see our resources are spread thin because they're so overwhelmed. And uh, I'm a big proponent of the more resources we have, the more options we have to help people and help people get back on the right track. Um, so any, I would be happy to see more things come to Baldwin County especially um, on the mental health side, because I think we need those resources right here. And um, to just continue in this, may be redundant or it may not be, but how will you utilize accountability courts as Solicitor General? Um, so our accountability courts, they take people um, who have been charged with a crime and are either sentenced under probation. So maybe they have a probation violation and they're looking at serving time in the Baldwin County Jail for a probation violation. Or say someone has 
um, been charged with a series of misdemeanor offenses. In order for state court cases to qualify, because you've got to be able to have enough time on a sentence, so 24 months um, that they could be facing as far as punishment and confinement. Um, so in my case, that would be at least two misdemeanor charges. Um, I can talk to uh, the district attorney's office, as normally who I talk to. There is a prosecutor dedicated for the accountability court who handles those and say, I believe I have someone who is interested, who I think may benefit from this program. Um, or it may be a conversation I have with the defense attorney. Um, there are a lot of people who represent themselves in state court. So in looking at the cases, um, as a prosecutor, I keep in mind the different options um, that we have. So in talking to uh, Ms. Ford in the DA's office and letting them know this person may be interested, what that person would do is fill out an application and the treatment team through ATCC would determine if they can qualify for the program, if they would be a good candidate. Um, and then working through how do we actually get them into the program. Um, I have utilized it a lot because I know that they're getting some of, of the best help. Um, it is a hard program to complete. Um, and I will tell you, I, as a district attorney, I met a particular individual, and he um, had had a lot of drug convictions. And I remember in court, um, he finally said, I need help, and I'm ready. And I said, all right. And he was accepted and put into the program. And not only did he graduate that program, he never had a uh, positive drug screen while in the program, and he came out with a job and is successful. And so I know the importance of being able to get people involved in that program because I do see the successes that come out of it. Um, and I see the real help and the real changes that people are making. Um, so I tried to utilize that program as much as possible um, because I believe we just sometimes, we all just need a little bit of a helping hand. The coronavirus pandemic has forced law enforcement to make tough decisions about who will be incarcerated and who must remain behind bars. Thinking long-term, how has this epidemic impacted your thinking about the use of jail time? So when I look at a court case, and I, I don't automatically just, um, my mind doesn't immediately go directly towards the service of jail time. I look at the facts of the case. I look at um, the victim statement, the conversations I have with law enforcement, the conversations I have with victims, victims' family members, um, conversation with defendant family members, um, and evaluating what the most appropriate thing to do is. We've certainly all been affected by the, the coronavirus, and it has given us um, some challenges, but I'm very proud to say that state court has adapted to those challenges. Um, we've been able to 
actually get back into court for in-person arraignment so that we can start working through our caseload. And we've been able to do that um, through the different protocols that we've put in place. Um, I've certainly had a lot of conversations um, with our chief of police and also with the sheriff about um, how do we address some of the concerns with jail population. Um, we've been looking at, um, because we're having to social distance within the jail, we're having to make sure we are not having a, a coronavirus outbreak and that they're limiting their capacity. Um, and so we've been working with those challenges. We've been looking at alternatives. Um, but sometimes when you look at a case, especially if I've got a domestic violence case where I've got a repeat offender, where it's a serious domestic, those are cases where jail time is appropriate uh, because my concern is the safety. We want to make sure that we are keeping people safe. Um, and, and certainly that's always been my concern, especially with dealing with domestic violence. That's been a bigger challenge um, because we're not seeing people as we normally do face-to-face. -face. Um, we've had fewer people who have walked in the doors now, a lot of our contact is over the phone. And so that always concerns me, but we've been able to develop some great safety plans to help people. And I think it's just continuing to have those conversations among all of our different law enforcement agencies and making sure that we're all on the same page and addressing concerns and working together. Um, so while the coronavirus has thrown us some challenges, we have certainly adapted um, to kind of our, our new normal, and uh, we are still doing business as normal. Well, and do you think, though, that you've um, either changed processes or um, created new ones that will uh, benefit uh, public safety here or the way your office operates once this coronavirus pandemic is in the rearview mirror and it's no longer a threat to uh, public health? I don't know if I've necessarily changed my approach to prosecution. Mm -hmm. um, we, we've certainly developed some different options, which I think in the long run those are options that we'll continue to utilize. Um, and, and I think they're um, either the flexibility in different treatment providers, uh, whether within the county or out of the county. There was also um, Sheriff Massey um, utilizes at the jail, there is an ankle monitor program. So looking at particular offenders who are serving jail time, um, people who the sheriff has considered uh, a trustee within the jail, looking at putting them out on an ankle monitor um, for house arrest. So those are programs we've already been utilizing well before the coronavirus. So certainly we're still continuing to utilize those and we'll continue to use them in the future. Um, I think they're all very beneficial um, to what we do. Can you describe a case that you were involved in that has impacted the way uh, you operate and will continue to operate as Solicitor General? That's a tough one um, because, you know, being a prosecutor for seven years, there are cases that you will never forget that have touched my life 
in a particular way um, and dealing with children who are victims of a crime. I will tell you probably one that impacted me um, the, uh, to a large degree um, and one that has reminded me of how what the state court does and, and the prosecution of misdemeanors in the intaking information and learning about people. This is state court is the people's court. And a lot of people come to talk just to tell us what's going on. Um, there are a lot of people who come in to explain a situation that maybe law enforcement hasn't gotten involved in, but certainly they're suffering some sort of uh, emotional abuse. And, and we learn about what's going on. Um, I think back to the murder of Sandra Barrett. I was um, an assistant district attorney at the time, and I remember receiving a phone call. Um, her son had um, stabbed her to death, and I remember going out to the house and being on scene with the GBI and the sheriff's department and going through that house um, and taking in all the information that was being relayed. What I also came to know about that is that um, Mrs. Maxine Blackwell had recently prosecuted a case involving the son and had put him on probation. And Ms. Sandra Barrett was the victim in that case. And there had been a history of domestic violence. And I remember as I was building the case and working with Stephen Bradley at the time and how we were going to present it to the, ju the jury and talking about this tumultuous history, I remember sitting down with Ms. Blackwell and learning about all of the things that had gone over the years. And that became a vital part of that particular uh, murder case. Um, and she was a wealth of knowledge. So coming from the district attorney's office into the role as solicitor general, I remember that. And it is so important, the role of solicitor general, to be able to take in that information. Because while I hope that I can turn somebody's life around or prevent something worse from happening, I do realize in the back of my mind that what I do may be to play a supporting role if it does escalate and it does get more severe and help the district attorney's office and the information that I take in. Because a lot of times, especially with domestic violence, there is a long history um, because we know it's a cycle and we know that people don't immediately leave those bad relationships. Um, so I, I will say that is one of the most memorable cases that prepared me for this role um, because of those conversations I had had um, with Ms. Blackwell. Um, and as you see this cycle of violence in uh, domestic violence cases, um, how do you weigh uh, that pattern um, that spans across so many cases um, against each individual uh, case that you look at? 
In other words, um, how do you keep your uh, mind uh, focused on the specifics of the case at hand and um, uh, weigh that against um, your experience in um, across uh, your tenure, um, both as Solicitor General and as an Assistant District Attorney? You know, each case turns on its own individual facts. Um, you know, and, and certainly we've seen increased pressure and stressors within families right now as people are staying at home, people are losing their jobs. And we know that being confined a lot of times can create some additional stresses. Um, we know that sometimes that's a, a result in yelling. Sometimes we have seen it escalate into physical um, contact. And so when I take a look at a domestic violence case, I look at past history. We log all of the cases, um, even if a warrant is not taken. We, we take those in and we make a note in. Um, we have an internal tracking system. Um, all prosecutors across the state have this system. So we can kind of take a look at what's been going on. Um, sometimes when I sit down um, with a victim, I can find out a lot of history. And sometimes um, when talking with a victim and then a defendant, um, if they want to talk to me, I find out that they really have a problem with communication. So can we address the communication problem? We haven't got to a severe escalation at this point that maybe they just they need some couples counseling they can go through a program we use called better boundaries to help them build a firm foundation in a healthy relationship sometimes when i'm looking at a case that has become extremely physical even if we don't have a long history those are cases where i have to take a hard stance because i have someone who has been injured and um, a lot of times, even though things have not been reported, we learn about the terror they've been living in, the emotional abuse, the financial abuse. We're seeing um, abusers that are withholding um, medical care and hand sanitizer during these times, all these little things. And I tell people all the time, whether it is the first time or the 100th time that you are reporting this, Every time is just as important to me, and every case matters. Um, I've had victims who have come into the office and break down and say, I wish I would have listened the last time, and I said, it's okay. It's fine, but the important thing is you reached out for help this time, and we're here to help you, and we're here to do what we can. So, you know, each case turns on its own individual facts, but sometimes it's, it's utilizing that history. Um, because as a prosecutor, we have different statutes within our law that allow us to bring in the prior history between two people. Um, and sometimes I have to do, I have to say I, it's tough love. And I, I've told many victims, I'm going to present this um, to a judge, to a jury. And I know you want it to all go away, but in protecting you, I've got to do my job as a prosecutor. And this is a case I am going to um, hold firm to and, and do what's right because I don't want it to get any worse. Um, so uh, it, 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 it's, um, I think my experience is, though, what helps me 
um, because dealing with a lot of cases, you learn um, different things that will work. And we're coming to the close of our conversation uh, today, and I want to reserve this last um, uh, few minutes uh, for you uh, to allow you to speak directly to our radio audience. And, and just simply by asking the question, uh, why should our listeners vote for you? I have the experience that is needed to continue to lead this office forward. I have served as a prosecuting attorney for seven years, and I have served and started my entire prosecuting career right here in Baldwin County. I am very familiar with all of our law enforcement agencies and work well with all of our community leaders. Um, my heart is in the right place. To be a prosecutor is a special calling. and it is something that I love to do. And I believe if you were to sit down with me, you could see it. Um, if I were looking at you face to face right now, you would see it on my face that I love what I do. And that there is no greater calling than to serve your community. And that is what I'm asking for you to do and consider, is to consider who is the best person for the job who has the experience and the leadership to continue to take care of our families here in Baldwin County and serve and protect our community. Um, I love what I do, and I'm asking that you vote for me and keep me as your solicitor general for the next four years. State Court Solicitor General, Sky Gass, I want to thank you for joining me today and talking to our radio audience on WRGC 88.3 FM. Thank you. All right. And so 